second half of 2020, possible scenarios in the market, and the plural of the word thesis. That and more on our next episode of Give Me Some Truth. So today, Clint and I are talking about potential market scenarios over the second half of 2020. We realize we're a little ahead of the game as the uh, the market isn't quite at its mid-year point yet, uh, but it feels close enough for us to, to jump in and talk about uh, three different scenarios that we think are likely. Obviously, there's more than, than just three scenarios in terms of what can happen between now and the end of the year, but in our opinion, these are three of the more likely. And if we were uh, betting individuals, we would bet that one of these likely scenarios plays out uh, over the next seven months. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's so many different things that can happen with this market, so many different scenarios uh, and so many different drivers uh, to each of these scenarios. So we'll spend some time, as you said, Nate, looking at more likely scenarios and a lot of it has to do with with the COVID data and also uh, with economic data all together. And, and they're, they intertwine and work well together. But, uh, you know, as you can see, sometimes the news can be bad and it drives the market up. And sometimes the news can be presumably good and it drives the market down. So it, it does kind of depend on a, a lot of different factors at this point. Yeah. And you're not going to hear us necessarily uh, give defense definitive, here's exactly what we would do if scenario one versus two versus three plays out. Uh, I, I think we want to reserve our ability to be nimble at that time and really understand what the data is that, that uh, that's making the market do what it's doing at that time. So you're not going to hear a great deal of that. It's a little bit more centered around um, just a, a um, painting of a picture, if you will, of, of what we think the, the next six months could look like. And so uh, it, it's really more of, of uh, discussion-based uh, information for our clients and for prospective clients to be able to kind of think about and then also uh, kind of bring some of their thoughts to us as these months play out to say, okay, well, I've been thinking about what you guys said on the podcast and you know, my thought on it is X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C. What do you think of that? And you know, how would we potentially handle um, my specific financial plan, financial portfolio, investment portfolio, you know, in light of how I see this playing out. So it's, it's more based around information and, and what we think might happen as opposed to here are our recommendations, uh, you know, for portfolio changes should one of these scenarios play out. That's right. And also to note that the data changes so quickly right now and uh, certain narratives or certain uh, thesis that we see, is it thesis C's? I think it's thesis it? I. Any Anytime no. one of these comes up, I always go with the I option, which is never right. Thesis I, uh, we're gonna run with thesis I. There you go. Well, as we kind of develop all of those, uh, you know, the, the, the narrative of the thesis changes uh, rapidly. So we've gone on different things uh, with the coronavirus, all of a sudden, you know, we had masks didn't work and now masks are essential. Uh, we had certain drug cocktail uh, things that were seen as very promising and then not so promising. So, you know, all of this changes so quickly and, and that would uh, it changes the ebbs and flows of the market as well. And I think that's normal. I mean, when you look at and I'll take a weird um, kind of parallel here, but, 
you know, you look at the kind of the advent of of alternative technologies, alternative energies, right? I mean, it's in the in the infancy of these these massive things that we're trying to cure, solve, um, you know, understand. The beginning stages are are a lot of different swings at the pitch, knowing that that we're not going to make contact on a lot of the swings. I mean, if you look at at uh, alternative energies, I mean, we had a many, many different theories and, and um, ideas that looked very promising that just ended up kind of fizzling out. And, and I think you're seeing that uh, as, as different um, scientists and, and companies and countries try to better understand and, and solve, uh, you know, the, the COVID problem. You know, some of these are, are swinging and missing. And that's okay because, you know, through failures, we learn what didn't work and we also learn what might be the, the better path to take. And so as, as the, the science industry just in general tries to, to figure this out, um, we're looking at it, I think the way that we, that we as, as a society and as a global population should look at it, which is we need to have some patience. We need to understand that some of these things aren't going to work. It, it's not bad that they don't work. They're, you know, it, it's the, the evolution of a solution um, is, uh, is predicated upon swinging and missing and failure, not predicated upon just success after success after success. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about swimming and swinging and missing and completely failing. Let's discuss some scenarios of, uh, the market sinking back down in the second half, what some of the drivers might be there. So Nate, off the top of your head, what do you think might be one driver to the market going down in the second half of 2020? Well, I think, I think the market during the last, uh, you know, call it, uh, what, three months, um, more or less three months, somewhere in that neighborhood, it's been a, a case study in um, what you and I and, and other advisors have talked about for many, many years, which is the market hates more than anything unknown or the market hates more than anything uh, getting surprised. And, and so the market doesn't mind bad news as long as the bad news falls in line with where the bad news was was anticipated to be um, and and it kind of meets expectations in that way which sounds a little weird to say um, you know bad news isn't necessarily bad news um, because it, it met expectations but that's exactly how how this uh, how the market works and that's why we and we know that it works that way because when we get bad jobs reports um, over the last you know couple uh, um, uh, measuring periods, if they've fallen in line with where the market thought they should, then the market either uh, you know kind of holds its line or even reacts positively. But if it falls outside of that, then you do see the market react negatively. And so, you know, one one kind of a um, development that could really hamper the market over the next call it six months or through the end of the year would be a prolonged string of of bad data that is outside of the benchmarks that the uh, the market had set. So if we get if we continue to get data that's worse than where the market expected it to be, whether it be financial data, whether it be uh, you know COVID related data, whether it be uh, even consumer sentiment data, which is a huge huge piece of this and it, it is going to continue to be um, dare I say even more important than the financial or the economic data, you know, do consumers feel comfortable coming kind of back, if you will, back to normal as they're, t- as they're talking about in the media, back to restaurants, back to bars, back to shopping malls and, and uh, 
um, you know, kind of living their, their, their normal life, uh, that's going to have a huge driver. And if the market starts to get the sense that the, that the consumer sentiment or the consumer appetite for, for spending is not where it should be, um, you could definitely see the market slide back down uh, and potentially even retest the lows that it set in March. Yeah, and I think one of the keys here too, and you talk about expectations, I think that there's two sets of large expectations that we are facing in the future. Number one is as states start to reopen their economies, will we see a huge uptick in cases uh, or will it be just kind of this gradual increase or the complete contrarian will actually see a decrease in cases? I, I don't uh, I find that hard to believe, but then we have to rethink about everything we thought about COVID if that's the case. Uh, but I think, you know, most people are expecting that we will see an increase in cases. It will be a contained increase. It will not overwhelm the healthcare system and we'll be able to start to slowly reopen our economy with sort of restrictions and boundaries. And then the second part of that is there is a general expectation that we are going to see a second wave in fall slash winter of 2020. And how big of a surge is that uh, in cases and will that stay contained? And if we see stuff that goes outside of those sorts of expectations, then I believe that, like you said, I believe that the, the lows may certainly be retested, particularly if we move back to a lockdown strategy again. And whether or not we see more unprecedented lockdowns, like perhaps from the uh, federal level. Uh, so right now it's been really federalism that we've seen as a policy from the administration saying, it is the state's responsibility to set their own policies. So you see various governors uh, doing different things in their sorts of communities. And then even going down to the local level, for example, in Wisconsin here, the safer at home order was struck down by the, uh, well, the extension basically of the safer at home. I'm not going to get into the nuance of it, but uh, was was essentially struck down. And now the communities, uh, so the county governments really are responsible for setting out uh, the sort of precedent there as far as how they want uh, their their people to behave. So, you know, like in Madison, we're a little bit more locked down in the Dane County area uh, until the end of the month. So if we start to see from a federal level, uh, large scale lockdowns in almost a, a nationwide one, I would think that the market would react very negatively to that. So a change in policy from um, the administration would be big. Um, and also a change in, in policy from a lot of these governors. If we see uh, that they lock everything back down. Obviously, that'll have a very big economic negative, uh, you know, in there. So that those are all things to consider, and those would probably be the main drivers for the uh, market to go down significantly. Really, is what we're saying. Exactly, and I, I, uh, um, I again, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. We said we weren't going to do a great deal of, of, um, you know, stating what how we would handle the portfolios if that were to happen. But what I will tell you is that. Um, you know, what a lot of our clients saw by way of behavior and, and uh, moves that we made in the portfolios uh, in, you know, March and April uh, by way of a, a um, much heavier uh, rebalancing schedule than we had done previously, a, a kind of a move to try to be opportunistic, um, 
you know, and position the portfolios for when the market swings back, you'd likely see that same kind of macro behavior from us uh, in handling the portfolios. If that were to happen again, either over the summer or into the fall, um, it, it benefited the, uh, the vast majority of, of uh, client portfolios, if not all client portfolios, the behavior that we did in terms of increased rebalancing and, and um, setting people up for the best possible scenario when the market swung back. Uh, that is something that you would likely see again if, if we'll call it scenario one were to play out, which is, um, you know, again, a, str- uh, you know, a prolonged string of bad data, which, you know, drives the market back down and potentially retest the lows. And just one, one other point there, when we say retest the lows, what we're talking about is, you know, in March, the market bottomed it somewhere in the 18,300 range on the Dow, uh, 18.3, not exactly, uh, but somewhere in that neighborhood. And so ultimately, when we talk about lows or setting a low, that's where the last low has been established. So if the market falls from from where it's at now, somewhere in the 23, 24 range, 23, 24,000 range on the Dow back down and, and retests uh, the low 18,000s. Um, that that would be a, a a massive move down to that point, and then it would be also a, a a huge symbolic move that did break that low. So that is what we're referring to there. So scenario two, um, we'll call it more bad data uh, for that for the coming months, but data that falls in line with what the market expects. Um, Clint, what are our thoughts there in regard to what we would potentially see the market do, or or how the market would behave if that were to uh, play out? If everything meets expectations at this point, uh, or even maybe slightly worse than expectations, I think what you'll likely see is a kind of choppy sideways market that lacks direction. Uh, So, you know, and and you really don't, when you're in the middle of a choppy market, it's kind of hard to see a choppy market. We might be in a choppy market right now. We don't really know. Uh, We'll just have to see how the next six months plays out. Uh, But really, it there might be this sort of directionless sort of trading as we sort of wait for good news. The good news doesn't really materialize. The news doesn't get super bad, like in scenario one, and the market just kind of trades in the middle there in that sort of range bound uh, range. So, you know, there is a situation where I think that that's a a very likely and possible scenario that we see this uh, as it's kind of trying to see, all right, do we have that? You know, say we have a September, October where the numbers perk up. We do see sign of a second wave, but we don't see the second wave locking down the whole country, but it's still having impacts in businesses and locally. So, you know, I think this is a this is a highly likely scenario. The other thing that people could say is, well, we've seen a decent run in the market thus far. Um, we're not anywhere near the highs yet in many of the indexes, but. Uh, you know, we have seen a significant recovery in the markets, and that might be really taking away from some of the recovery in the future. For example, if we were down, say, just a number, if we were down 25% and now we're down, you know, 12%, well, that's been a nice recovery. We still have a ways to go, but, uh, you know, if the data stays really weak, uh, it's going to, something's going to have to drive the market higher. That something is usually, uh, expectations of higher earnings in the future. And if that becomes uncertain, then it's probably not going to drive the market higher. 
Yeah, and I think, uh, again, we'll go back to it, and it's still sound like a broken record here by the end of it, but consumer sentiment, I think, is going to have a huge impact as we as we kind of get our way through the summer and then into the fall, um, how the U.S. consumer kind of views, um, you know, what they used to kind of take for granted, i.e. going to a coffee shop, going to a restaurant, going to a bar, um, you know, going to a, a shopping mall. I think that's going to have a huge, huge impact. I think you're going to see um, the economists and, and Wall Street focusing on that heavily um, because I think at the end of the day, um, you know, the consumer makes up, and again, bear with me on the number, but the consumer behavior makes up somewhere in the neighborhood of 70% of the overall economy itself in regard to spending and, and uh, uh, consumption. And so uh, while the, the economic data by way of unemployment and, um, you know, as Clint said, corporate profits, corporate uh, revenue, uh, forward-looking projections on PE ratios and things like that. That's all important, absolutely, but it, it is still all driven for the most part by the consumer. And so we will see whether or not the consumer comes back the way that we need the consumer to. And if they do, um, if they do, but we still have data that's, you know, okay, but but not really good, then again, I, I agree with Clint that we're going to see a sideways market. And that's more or less what we've seen over the last 30 days. I went back and looked at some of the data on the S&P 500, and it's been positive over the last 30 days, absolutely. Um, but but choppy, again, marked by days of, you know, plus 300, down 400, um, and not, not really kind of uh, uh, firing up, if you will, the way it did. Uh, as we came out of the lows in March. So the market might be lacking a little bit of momentum right now. Um, and it's it's similar to what we saw even before the COVID um, outbreak happened. The market was somewhat range-bound if you were to look back um, even into last year. So it's not uncommon and it's not a bad place to be market-related. Uh, it's just uh, uh, kind of those times that we go through from um, – when the market kind of lacks and or loses its momentum. So, so that's kind of our thought on scenario two. Um, in that scenario, you would likely see us um, kind of go back to a little bit more of a normal um, money managing pattern, um, not rebalancing quite as often as we were previously in the last couple months, but um, looking for opportunities. And, and uh, we, we like to use the phrase trimming on the edges. You, you'd like to see us trimming on the edges a little bit as well. So, uh, scenario three, uh, I think is the most optimistic one. And I think obviously the one that we're all hoping for, um, Clint, what's our definition of scenario three? Well, I love an optimistic story, so let's go into that. I mean, uh, I think that it would be that the, the contrarian thing actually happens. And that is, uh, as we've locked everything down and the curve has flattened and then we open everything back up and the what ends up happening is the cases don't end up exploding and they flatten out or they even go down uh, as the weather goes gets better we've you know kind of maybe we've I don't think there's no chance we'll reach like herd immunity they're saying but maybe there's some sort of uh, scenario where the virus isn't as uh, uh, you know isn't as doesn't have as much momentum uh, as we might have initially thought. And it kind of dies out a little bit, not to say that it won't be there, but it doesn't have quite the impact that it had when it first started and ripped through communities. And it just 
doesn't have as much to feed on for some reason. Uh, maybe it's that people have socially distanced um, and changed their behaviors. Perhaps it's just the cycle of the virus. We don't know. We won't know in this scenario. And then we don't hit any sort of huge second wave. If we see all of that play out, which that's a lot of needles to thread there, um, you could see the market, uh, you know, increase significantly. And, you know, maybe we hit maybe we hit the highest high. I mean, that's the Goldilocks best case scenario uh, that we end up hitting a new high in tw at the end of 2020 or something like that. Uh, and that would be <laughs> to this point, it almost seems unfathomable. But, uh, you know, anything could happen here if you start to see data better. And then you start to see that we actually have football and people feel better about going out and going on a flight. And once you start to see that comfort level return, uh, then you'll start to see consumer spending go out. Because if you think about big ticket items, you know, what are people going to do to buy big ticket items? Well, they're not buying cars right now because they're not traveling that much. They're not buying plane tickets. They're not going on big trips. They're not spending money on concerts and brewer games and stuff like that. So, you know, the big ticket items aren't there for the consumer. And so that's the thing that's going to have to return uh, if we see this consumer spending get back to more normal levels and that takes a consumer that feels comfortable in their own environment. And I don't know, Nate, what do you think the likelihood that that happens is? Yeah. I mean, if I had to hang a percentage on it, um, you know, it, you, you got to figure that it's probably somewhere in the 20% range, you know, maybe one out of five chance that that happens. But again, it, I think I think we should be cognizant of the fact that when the market was, you know, between eighteen three and nineteen five, call it. I mean, it, those are pretty low times, and I don't think anybody would have bet money that that it would have just fired up the way it did and, and found itself back, you know, six thousand points higher than than the low it set. So these things are not, um, it's not unattainable, and, and I think that we we need to understand that the market can move very quickly, both up and down, if it gets a big shot of momentum, whether it be positive or negative. I mean, when we remember how far it fell and how fast it fell in March, it did that because the negative momentum was, um, it was almost unprecedented. I mean, we just got this, this ridiculous shot of negative news um, almost on an hourly basis. And we just saw things, you know, uh, uh, go quickly the wrong direction. Well, it can go quickly the right direction just as easily. And so I, I, I don't think that it's, it's, I don't think it's unattainable. I don't think that it can't happen. Um, I think you and I've done this long enough to be very careful about saying things either will or will not happen because definitively when we say that the, the market tends to punish us by going the other direction, but it is, it is possible uh, and it has happened before. So I think at the end of the day, what it'll come down to is uh, that fall period of time. Uh, I think if I had to guess where this all goes, kind of you know, coming to the end of, of our podcast here, if I had to go on the record as to where I think this goes, I think we see somewhat of a range-bound, kind of sideways, choppy market through the summer where we, we get our good days of plus 500, you know, we get our bad days of negative 500. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't have a ton of momentum, maybe a little bit of momentum to the positive if we start to see people kind of getting back to where they need to be. Um, 
And then it'll really come down to what does September, October, and November look like by way of the second wave. If the second wave doesn't actually play out, and, and like we're all fingers crossed hoping that it doesn't, uh, I think you could really see the market do very well. If it does play out and it plays out in a, um, you know, kind of a replay of what it did in March, I think we could be in for, for a decent amount of pain. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a great, it's a great thing to, a great breakdown you had on that. I think that all eyes will be on the second wave. I think that's, that's what we're going to see there. And hopefully, uh, you know, there isn't much of a second wave. And, and if there is, then, you know, just like our country always does, we'll deal with it and, and the world too. I mean, we'll get a lot of data. Um, other places, you know, I think the second wave is kind of, it, it's, around everything cooling down here and people being more inside and you'll see other countries as well will have their winters before us so we'll get a little bit of seeing whether or not there's a second wave in some of these other countries that don't have the same weather patterns that we do um so we'll you know i think we'll have some data to go on there but ultimately we'll see what happens to the u.s so um Thanks for joining us. Another episode of Give Me Some Truth. We appreciate your time and your listening. And uh, hopefully you gathered a couple items that you can uh, take and apply to your own situation. services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.